This podcast is brought to you by the Stained Glass Collective. Go to stainedglasscollective.com for more content like this. What does the L in Samuel Jackson stand for? Find out maybe on today's episode of $5 Film Club. Hi, everyone. It's me, Alex George, and I'm with my good friend, Zach Ray, and we're here at $5 Film Club. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, George? I am well. Uh, if you are listening to this, you are either going back and listening to it the very first episode later on, or this is your very first time listening to us. Welcome, people from the future. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I guess everyone's from the future. Oh, man. Oh, wow. wow. Um... Well, this is us. We're in the past, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're very interested to see what happens under Dictator Trump. Um, <laughs> you know, you know. Or, or um, Her Majesty Hillary. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, yeah, this is a show uh, called $5 Film Club, where Zach, my friend, and I decide to sit and watch movies on the cheap. We are we are poor people. Yes. We're poor people, not so poor that we can't have our own podcast, nope. because we live in a beautiful world where anyone can have their own podcast. Thank you, even, Western culture. Yes. <laughs> beautiful Western culture. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we don't like spending lots of money at the movie theater. There's, nope. there's too much money to be spent at the movie theater. We could blow all our money at the movie theater. Let's not do Very that. Easily. Let's save some money. So what we do is we try and find movies on the cheap, maybe at Redbox, maybe with a Netflix account, something like that, at very low price. We're trying to spend about $5 or less every single week uh, on a movie. Uh, and that's what we've done. We've done this for this week, and yep. we'll be doing this every week for the rest of our lives, correct? Forever. Maybe, yeah, maybe even beyond that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can Dictator be like, Trump, work <laughs> on fro- cryogenic technology so we can live forever. We could be like Michael Jackson and keep releasing podcasts after we die with Justin Timberlake. I love his podcast <laughs> with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Man. All right. If you're listening, Janet Jackson, and I know you are, mm-hmm. you need to release a post-death podcast with Justin Timberlake <laughs> and your brother. All right. Please do Great. That. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Um, <laughs> man, we'll see how powerful we are if that happens or not. I mean... Oh, man. Move over Dictator Trump. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, man, I think we've alienated some people already. Uh, we don't... Uh, hopefully Trump is not dictator at this point when you're listening to it. Hopefully Janet Jackson uh, does release a podcast with her brother and uh, Justin Timberlake. I would listen to it. I would. I had the... Okay, side topic already. I've had the idea for a very long time of doing a fake interview with uh, Michael Jackson where I talk and then I play old recordings of his songs <laughs> back as if he's responding to me. And I was going to be like, uh, so, uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson, why did you kill that mule? And then I was just going to play him being like, I'm bad! <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> All right. So I, don't, I don't remember what the rest of the idea was, but that was a big part of it. So, so we're, we've got in mind some special episodes, particularly around Oscar season. <laughs> so that will be happening. Good, hopefully. We'll, we will interview Michael Jackson. Dead Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, but we'll get the real him. If you're listening now and you're like, oh, they're just going to do that. No, we're going to get the real dead Michael Jackson to be on 
Banner Show. Welcome to Five Dollar <laughs> Film Club. We talk about films. We figured for our very first episode, what we would like to talk about is our first memory of going to see a movie at the movie theaters. Um, you know, as young little children, our parents. I'm assuming you. I haven't talked to you about what your first experience was, but I know mm-hmm. mine. Uh, my father. This is the first one I remember. I don't know if this is the first actual movie I saw in the movie theater. My father took me to the movies, and we saw the blockbuster hit. The Rugrats movie. And I uh, remember watching it uh, where they sang uh, Wing Dong, Battle of the Ding Dong. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about, Zach. Something like uh, I, I still call people diaper babies today because um, <laughs> I think it's a very... Angelica was ahead of her time. Yes. Very funny. Yes. Uh, there was uh, Tommy. Yep. There was Dill. Yep. Lil. Uh, There's also Bill. Phil, yeah, <laughs> they, uh, and they the were DeVille's. all they were all ill. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I re- I remember watching it for the very first time. I think don't is the plot of the movie that they lose their newborn brother. Is that the plot? So yeah, they they kidnap him. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm uh, in, forgetting in this a movie. reptar mobile. Yep. And then they drive into the woods and survive for I think days. Oh man, reptar. Is still cool. Reptar will always be cool. Oh my gosh. Reptar, as far as like satires on Godzilla go, probably yeah. the best one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so yeah. It's still, I want to see a Reptar movie. Okay. How about this? If this if this podcast is successful, we go on for maybe a year or so, yes. we'll sit and watch the Rugrats movie, at the very least for me, mm-hmm. to see if it still holds up. Oh, dude. For my like little six-year-old self, like it does. I don't know if that's actually the timings right there, but this you, is, you can check this it. Is, this is arrogant, but our first year anniversary, we'll watch and review the first movies that we remember seeing. Okay, great. That'd I love it. If oh, we make man. it to a year and you are in the future... Maybe you are living un- underneath the tyranny of dictator Trump. Yes. And uh, <laughs> if you're still allowed to look, listen to podcasts. DVDs may be, uh, you know, they ha- may be completely extinct. You know, they're not allowed underneath this, uh, this regime. Uh, There's only orange ray players now. Orange ray players. Uh, the, they just show propaganda <laughs> of <laughs> The Apprentice. It's just like all Apprentice. You can only watch the all, what, 12 seasons of The Apprentice. Dude, I think it. there's more. I mean, it'll go on forever. Uh, <laughs> he'll be doing it from the Oval Office. Okay. But either way, uh, I just want to say that we will uh, be releasing this podcast regardless, and you can hear about the movies underneath that dictatorship. Even yes. if you can't watch them anymore, you can hear about them from myself and my good friend Zach. Zach, what was the first movie you saw in theaters? The first movie I saw in theaters was Titanic. Whoa! Yes, I was in first grade, and <laughs> we went to this movie. I'm pretty sure my parents had no idea what was going to be coming in Great. this movie. <laughs> and I was sitting a row in front of them, and, you know, the boob scene came on. Uh-huh. And like any six-year-old does, I was like, what? There's boobs on the TV. <laughs> and then my mom... I remember like yelling at me. She's like, you need to put your hands over your eyes. Cover your eyes, Zach. You can't see this. <laughs> and of course, I did the whole like make oh, my fingers into a fingers? net. And yes. Oh, you're naughty. Yep, I, I peeked and I was like, this is an interesting movie. And that is how you became a pornographer today, correct? <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly. <laughs> I've got a movie coming out uh, next month called Titanic 2. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's the greatest sounding porno of all time. Uh, Just Titanic 2. 
you know what? I'm, I'm glad it's Titanic 2 and not uh, <laughs> it, uh, maybe like Seven Minutes in Heaven, uh, <laughs> which would be somewhat related. It's numerically related to the movie that we watched for today. Uh, yes. Today's $5 Film Club. Zach and I rented the movie The Hateful Eight from Redbox. And uh, The Hateful Eight, if you're unfamiliar is the Samuel L. Jackson, Quentin Tarantino flick uh, about eight people getting together in a cabin and hating one another. And you get to see the results of that. Um, This movie was nominated for some Oscars. It specifically won for uh, the best original score. Great, great music in this movie. Fantastic music in this movie. Also uh, for best cinematography and for best supporting actress for Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, we want to talk about this movie, but before any any more history, any more uh, that you want to give for this movie, anything we should know. You want to talk about some baggage with Quentin Tarantino? Baggage. All right, I want to talk about some baggage heading into this movie. Uh, Zach and I, every single movie that you watch forever will have some baggage with it. Whether it is an indie flick with no one that you've ever seen before, guess what? You've watched indie flicks before, and that will decide your viewing experience for that movie. Same thing. If we're going to go and sit and watch The Hateful Eight, we have experiences watching Samuel L. Jackson movies. We have experience watching Quentin Tarantino movies. This will help us understand how we watch The Hateful Eight. So yes, we're walking into this with some baggage. Quentin Tarantino, let's talk about him. What kind of baggage do you have watching a Quentin Tarantino movie? So, man, you know, I grew up in the era of Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. And I just did not get those movies, man. Everybody I knew was just like, oh, kill Bill, kill Bill. And, you know, I, I you know, everyone's going to hate me and probably turn off this podcast right now, but I didn't really like Pulp Fiction. I'm sorry. <sighs> Don't worry, audience. I'm there with you. Zach is an insane yep. person <laughs> I who am. is definitely wrong. Clearly, I have no taste. What's, what's your main thing? What's your main thing that bugs you about it? I don't know. Like, just like Tarantino has, like... It's like he doesn't know how to do anything other than in excess. So it's like excessive violence, excessive curse words, excessive use of the N-word. Racism. Everything Mm -hmm. is just like... Sexuality is... Everything is so crazy over the top that I'm just like... It it loses the realism for me. Sure. And so a lot of his movies, I'm just like, this isn't interesting. And like, especially like the Kung Fu based movies, it's just like, this is corny and I just don't get it. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's fair. That's fair for you to feel that way. Uh, I like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I'm not crazy about all his flicks, but I do think he has some great dialogue. I do think that there is some fun. I'm not, you'll hear me say this all the time uh, on this podcast. If you keep listening or if you've listened to this in the future and heard other episodes, I'm not a big fan of movies that like keep you watching by splashing blood on your face. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very cheap way to get people in. However, as far as action goes, Quentin Tarantino's kind of like he's become one of the kings of it. And uh, I do enjoy watching a Tarantino movie every now and again yeah. just to kind of get that taste of it and just wonderful dialogue throughout his movies. I do sure. think that like it is harsh and it is uh, visceral. Like you sit and watch it and you're like, ooh, am I okay with them saying all this stuff? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so that is something that I think uh, you kind of have to face. But he also has a continuing love affair with the good man, Samuel L. Jackson. That's true. Um which, look, main actor, you probably have some baggage with this person as well. Here's my Samuel L. Jackson uh, little take right here. 
I like the man. I think he's a great actor who is a working man's actor. He likes to take a lot of different pictures. And because of that, he's in some clunkers. He's in some movies that aren't so great. But I would say that he knows how to really put himself into a role. He goes a uh, whole yeah. ham into his roles. He just gets all up in there. You, like, you will never hear any other actor, unless they're quoting him, say the line, get these monkey fighting snakes <laughs> off this monkey fighting plane. That's the TV version right yes. there. Uh, <laughs> you'll never hear anyone say that. Like, seriously, like that won't happen because no one's like, no, no character would ever say this. He's all for it. He's like, yeah, this is my character. I'm in. I'll do it. Like, maybe you'll hear a crazy actor like Nick Cage say it, but Samuel L. Jackson has his props. He, I think, I think is, you'll hear Nick Cage say that to himself in his bathroom mirror every oh morning. Oh, man. <laughs> if you are a stalker and you're in <laughs> Nick Cage's home, look, I promise I won't tell the cops on you. Just, send just, us, just like, call us, let us know. Video, audio, whatever true? you can get of what's happening in that house. If you are hiding in Nick Cage's house listening to this podcast. Does he live in a castle? Didn't he buy a castle? It, you know, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Baggage on Nick Cage. <laughs> Do you have a castle? I need to know before I watch your next movie. Uh... I like Samuel Jackson. I think he uh, is in a lot of interesting roles. I like my, one of my favorites and a very under-recognized um, film. Uh, the Sunset Limited mm. is an HBO feature. If you ever get the chance, watch it. It's him and Tommy Lee Jones, directed by Tommy Lee Jones. Fantastic film. Yes. Check it out. Uh, your thoughts on Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson, I prefer him over Tarantino, but I kind of brought the same baggage with him. Is like some of his movies are just no good, and some of his movies are wonderful. And he kind of seems to always be finding himself in the token black guy role, where he's the only black guy in the movie. And in a way, I feel like he's beginning to like be typecasted into these kinds of roles. Okay. But then at the same time, I think that he still has the resume to move on and do really great films. Sure. So I just saw he's uh, coming up in a Tim Burton movie, uh, Miss Peregrine's like school for weird children. I know that's not the actual title, okay. something like that. <laughs> and he's in it. And he has like colored contacts in and like mm. white frizzy hair. And I'm like, he's probably weird in this movie. This movie's probably not good. Mm. Uh, and maybe like you're in the future and you're like, Alex, you're dead wrong. That movie, that movie was is so the good. Oscar darling, won more awards than Titanic and <laughs> uh, the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King put together. Oh, man. Uh, I could be dead wrong, but yeah, I do know what you mean. He mm. appears in some movies as a quirky weirdo character. Mm. Um, let's get into this movie. Uh, what stands out to you about The Hateful Eight? We're going to try and refrain from getting into spoilers here. Mm -hmm. um, unless the movie is kind of like we both agree is terrible, then yeah. we will probably spoil the movie just anyway, because yeah. you don't, you shouldn't see a bad movie. We want you to watch good movies. We don't want you to watch bad movies. And I'll give you a spoiler right here about this podcast. We both don't hate this movie, so we're not going to spoil it for you. Um, what, are, what are some pieces of this film that stand out to you? What, what do you think like people should know walking into this movie? Your thoughts. First and foremost, the score is just phenomenal. Yes, like, award-winning. Movies are not scored like this anymore. And, um, and was this movie also shot on film? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, so they like took like two very beautiful nods back to the art of filmmaking for this movie where they were like, you know, we could just make this great big budget film or we could make it in this, this sort of retro way where we kind of care for the craft of filmmaking. And so I think that those things worked really well and it stood out. 
Yeah, uh, the score is done by Ennio Morricone, who uh, used to do Spaghetti Westerns. He mm-hmm. did things like For a Few Dollars More, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And uh, he, Tarantino just bought him, brought him back. And it's mm-hmm. really, it is, uh, it has like it's an tense. evil tone yeah. to it. It is just like, it gets you in the mood. The movie opens with the scene of a, cr- uh, there's a cross statue mm-hmm. of a very ugly Jesus mm-hmm. uh, as a, uh, a horse and carriage comes very slowly up a snowy hill mm-hmm. and uh, you just get for maybe like three minutes yeah. this music just blaring at you and you're like, oh man, I'm getting in the mood. I'm getting ready for this Tarantino flick. Uh, for me, getting into a Tarantino movie, I just get ready to uh, kind of watch some violence and I think that this movie carries a tension throughout it where you're like, when is someone going to shoot someone else's face off? Yeah. Because that's kind of what you expect. We were talking yeah. about it. There is just excessive violence in Tarantino mm-hmm. movies like throughout a lot of Pulp Fiction Samuel Jackson is just walking around with a bloody shirt on yes. like because that's what they're like that yep. that is the experience of watching a Tarantino flick and uh, you're kind of waiting you're like okay there's all this snow outside mm-hmm. when is this white snow going to turn red with the blood of these eight great actors <laughs> um, when is this going to happen uh, so it does carry that tension to it. Also, I love the cinematography. It's a mm-hmm. Robert Richardson, uh, who's worked with Scorsese. Um, he's a great cinematographer. Uh, Gorgeous. This movie uh, basically gathers together eight people in a room. Those people are Samuel Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Walton Goggins, Demian Bashir, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, and Bruce Dern. Uh, also, uh, OP. Uh, honorable which, mention. <laughs> honorable mention, OP, who gets treated like garbage the whole movie, and yep. it's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, this movie for me, just, uh, getting into it, it, it just carries a very much a play tone to it. Uh, I know that even at one point this movie got leaked online, I think I didn't look it up. I didn't know anything walking into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got leaked online and Tarantino's like, it's not a movie anymore. It's going to be a play now. Cause he was like, I don't want to make it anymore. And then I mm-hmm. think even when that was happening, I was like, shut up Tarantino. You're always <laughs> going to make this movie. Like you're just doing this to kind of get press. And uh, but he said it was going to be a play, and I understand how it could be a oh, play. Oh, absolutely! If this was in downtown Chicago, I might go see it. Like yeah. this is a very interesting, uh, a lot of dialogue, a lot of interaction, a lot of personalities clashing. Yeah. Um, I, I dig it. I and, get into it. And there's only really two settings for the whole film. Yep. Like you could do Act One, Act Two. Snow. Yep. And the lodge. Yep. Uh, yeah, it is very interesting. Uh, the way that it is shot, they're just completely um, colorful, and I get into it. I, I dig it. Um, kind of throughout great character tension. I'm into it. Uh, we have one scene in this movie that we want to draw specific mm. attention to, uh, and I think we didn't discuss what it was going to be beforehand, but I, I, I think I have. I, I think that we both would agree on what it was. Okay. With Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, fine. Uh, that is that is fine. I do want to bring up one other thing with you, though. Okay. At the end. Say, there's a scene. Samuel Jackson is uh, the... Uh, he's one of the titular Hateful Eight. His name is Major Marcus Warren, uh, and he is a uh, he's a bounty hunter now, but he was a uh, Union fighter uh, in the Civil War. The, just if you're kind of like, oh, you haven't told us the time or anything, this is mostly like kind of a Western, except it's set in snow. It's very interesting. Marcus Warren, he was a Union fighter. There is uh, one character, Bruce Dern's character, who is a colonel, for the Confederacy. He was a, a colonel for the Confederacy. The Civil War is over at this point in the mm-hmm. movie. And uh, they start talking. 
And uh, they tell a story to one another. And Marcus Warren, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, tells a story about how when he was getting hunted by Confederate uh, soldiers, mm -hmm. one of them came and tried to hunt him down. And rather than uh, this Confederate soldier trapping Samuel Jackson, killing Samuel Jackson, Marcus Warren gets the jump on him and he captures this guy. Mm -hmm. And this is essentially the hero of this movie, the anti-hero of this yeah, movie, however you want to view it. If there is a hero. Sure, yeah. however you want to view it. He's the protagonist, I mm -hmm. guess. He tells the story of how after he gets this man, he captures this man, he tortures him specifically by stripping him naked and making him walk in the freezing cold in the snow. Mm -hmm. um, and when the man begged for a blanket... Mm -hmm. He violates him. Sexually. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is something that I think the reason we bring this up is because um, this is a scene in this movie that uh, when you think of what your hero should be like, you know, you think of blonde, you think mm -hmm. blue eyes, you think mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you think of an Aryan yeah. superhero is kind of, I think, what a lot of heroes are like. And subverting that is good. It shouldn't be that. We should have heroes that are women. We should have mm -hmm. heroes that have red hair. We should have heroes who are black. We should have heroes who are Mexican. We should have heroes who look like everything, okay? Heroes but, should look like everything, and they should have different backgrounds as well. Yeah, it's, it's, not just a, it's not just a physical appearance when you think of a hero. You think of, like, a ethical... Yes. Like... Fight for what's yeah, right. Monument. And definitely Samuel Jackson's character does fight for what's right. Out of all these characters, uh, even as what we've told you, he <laughs> still has the, probably the strongest moral compass of definitely. them all. Uh, and that being said, there is a tension that will come up not, not only on the screen. We've talked about the tension on the screen. There's an internal tension that will take place inside of you over a couple different things. There's a lot of things about race relations in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, how they treat women in this movie that mm -hmm. will come up. And then lastly... You have to kind of get over or fight within yourself, and it's okay even if you land and say, no, he's not the protagonist anymore. But you have to kind of have that discussion of, can this person who did this thing in the past, who sexually violated someone else, uh, can they be the hero of a movie? Like, can they be yeah. the person I root for in this film? Mm -hmm. um, that is a that is something that I saw and I thought to myself, I've, I, I can't think of another movie where the hero has essentially raped someone mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't think of it. And yes, obviously, you know, it's terrible to be hunted for sure. your, who you are, for your race. Um, I'm definitely not defending the other person. Uh, but that is something that I think, as you sit and watch this movie, at the very least, you will be forced to think about. I don't think you can watch this movie and get away with, like, saying, okay, that was a thing that happened. It's also the context of the scene, too, because you could probably find another movie, if you looked hard enough, where, like, the hero had this dark past. Sure. And he was guilty of something wolf but yeah but you won't you you will not find a hero where he is proud of whatever heinous thing he did in yeah. the crime and that's what you're that's what you see in this film definitely okay uh, any other thoughts you want to share on that scene? No. Nope. Okay, I want to bring up one other scene real quick. Okay. Uh, you carried a little bit more baggage into this movie that you didn't reveal on the front end. Was it? Okay. Yeah, man. I remember I told you, let's watch this movie. And you said, I don't know what I'll think of this movie because this happens in this movie. There's oh, an incident yeah. with a guitar there in this is. movie. Uh, and it, it, is, uh, it, it shocked you to the core even before you saw this film. Do you want to yeah. share a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, there is a very old guitar making company uh, called C.F. Martin and Company. And they're based out of Nazareth, Pennsylvania. 
they have a museum of with guitars in it that date all the way back into uh, the early 1800s. 1833 is when they first started making musical instruments. And so that company very graciously loaned to Tarantino and the rest of the crew uh, one of their priceless museum pieces, this, this guitar that was constructed in, I believe it was the 1840s. Um, that like seems that. right. 1840s to 1870s, something like very, very old, definitely pre-1900. And this is a priceless artifact. Um, they cannot make this again. It, it will not be the same. And so they loaned it to them as well as a bunch of replicas that they were meant to smash for a scene in this movie. At some point, Kurt Russell didn't get the memo. It was not communicated to him. He grabs the actual guitar out of the hands of uh, Jennifer, of Jason, Jennifer Lee. Jason Lee and smashes it against a pole inside the cabin. And the crew's response to Martin was basically, sorry? Uh, the the <laughs> Wikipedia description <laughs> says, everyone on set was, in quotes, pretty freaked out yeah. at the guitar's destruction. <laughs> Which... One thing I appreciated out of it was Jennifer Jason Lee, um, her response is caught on camera yep. and it is used. And when you see her react to the guitar being smashed, she's breaking character. And that is a beautiful sacrifice. In it's, my bre opinion. it's breaking character, but it fits in the yeah. moment. She is. She should be upset about, mm -hmm. you know, this guy taking and destroying this guitar that she's playing. She's a person in this movie, uh, we'll talk about it probably a little bit at the end, person in this movie who's given very little joy. Uh, she is yeah. just continually beaten and abused throughout this movie. Elbows, uh, fists, soup. Soup gets thrown in her face, one of my favorite scenes of this movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and when her guitar is destroyed, uh, mm. she should be upset. Yeah. This scene is specifically, uh, he, she's just screaming, no, 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 no. Mm. And uh, you just see mm. Mark or uh, Kurt Russell just destroy this guitar. Mm. And uh, I think at the end, you, weren't, you were really upset going into the movie. You said, I don't know I'll, if I'll like this movie or not. <laughs> but afterwards, you were not so harsh. You said, no. okay, it, it, understandable it was, mistake. It was a part of the film. It was a stupid mistake. They, sure. Probably, I mean, it was also a stupid mistake on behalf of Martin. Why would you even bother sending them the original <laughs> to, guitar from your to museum? To one of the most destructive filmmakers of all time. And also, like, any guitar player will know that, like, the environment that a guitar is in drastically changes. So this guitar has to be kept in a humidifier, literally. Yeah. And then they bring it to cold, like, Wyoming or Canadian conditions, wherever they filmed it, in the middle of nowhere in the freezing cold, which sure. is super dry. So, come on, Martin. What are you doing? You know better. Martin. This is your fault, Martin. <laughs> it is. Uh, okay. Um, now is a part of the show that we're introducing. This is your first time listening to this show. Maybe it is. Maybe you're going back and listening Maybe. to it. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to do a thing called Side Rant. Yes. Uh, but we're also doing another thing called Side Celebration. We'll do Side Rants more often, which is when me and Zach have things that just irk us mm -hmm. about films. And we want to get up in this movie and say, hey, look, don't do this no more. <laughs> but for this movie... We have something different. It's called a side celebration where we say, hey, look, movies do more of this, okay? Mm -hmm. Zach, are you ready for my side celebration? I'm ready for your side celebration. You know what it is, so I, I we're not getting your genuine response no. here. Sh we'll never, ever try and let the other person know what our little side rant celebration is. But today's side rant, penises. Penises. Uh, <laughs> look. Whenever I watch a movie, at the very beginning, they'll show you the little MPAA rating, and it comes up and it says, 
uh, sexual, you know, activity or whatever in this movie. There's explicit sexuality in this movie. And I turn to my wife and she just gives me a look and she shakes her head and says, sleep in the doghouse tonight. So then I grab my little pillow and my cot and I sleep outside, you know, because HBO decided to put two little tatas in this movie. I like that you have a cot for this occasion. I have a cot that fits in the doghouse and that's where I sleep. Uh... This movie came up and it said, you know, sexual nudity in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I was watching with Zach and I said, ah, I always kind of have this feeling. And it almost feels misogynistic because there's almost always nudity mm-hmm. of women when you see that. Yeah, and uh, it's always, you know, some sexy broad mm-hmm. that, you know, the director was just like, oh, yeah, now we get to see yeah. this lady. I don't know. That's my like behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for this movie, there is nudity. But only male nudity. There's mm-hmm. a penis shown, no female nudity. And a part of me was just like, I'm, I'm a uh, heterosexual man. I have two children <laughs> with my wonderful wife. But a part of me was just like, yes, yeah, do more of this. Like, <laughs> there doesn't need to always be female nudity, one, to, like, justify male nudity. But also, like, there should be more male nudity in movies. If we're going to continue to have nudities, or, in, nudities in our movies, mm-hmm. uh, make it both male and female and have mm-hmm. there be, at the very least for now, more male nudity to kind of like bring it back. There's a conversation around the movie, the show Game of Thrones right now mm-hmm. where people are like, why is there all this female nudity? Make the men get naked. Let's see mm-hmm. Jon Snow naked. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I would say overall, if you have the decision to show nudity or not, try and do it tastefully. The be- mm-hmm. newest season of House of Cards is excellent. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is there is no real uncomfortable sexuality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some, but it could be much worse if there, w- if there were visuals to it. Uh, it lets you kind of breathe. It gives you that moment. So if you have the option, don't show nudity. Uh, for most movies, it's mm-hmm. not really justified. But um, in this, if you are going to show nudity, um, have that kind of mindset of, is this going to be male? Is this going to be mm-hmm. female? And how do I make this not seem like you know misogyny yeah. at its prime and most powerful? Also, end, of ra- yeah. uh, end of side celebration. Well, also, just to add to that, like what, not all nudity has to be sexual. Like, Definitely. There's the nudity it's in this not movie. really sexual in this not movie. Not really sexual. <laughs> At least it didn't do that for me. No. <laughs> and I don't think our wives would have been like, nope. all right, <laughs> <laughs> a flaccid penis. <laughs> in the cold. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand any attraction to penis. I don't they're, think that there is. Weird. <laughs> I don't think that there is. <laughs> Maybe that's my own shame. But I was like, penises are weird, dude. Uh, all right. That's the end of side celebration about penises. Okay. Uh, so the, we want to end this uh, little conversation a couple ways. Uh, we want to talk about the best actor and the worst actor mm-hmm. of this movie. We want to celebrate the best actor and shame the worst actor. Let them never, ever uh, do that again. Boo. Boo. Uh, let's both share our best actor first. Um, for me, best actor in this movie was Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, Samuel Jackson does a great job. I actually think Tim Roth also does a great job, mm-hmm. who I normally don't like. He's very good in this as well. But Jason Lee, Jennifer Jason Lee, she just takes the cake in this mm-hmm. flick. Uh, she has uh, shows so much through these scenes of pain, through these scenes mm-hmm. that should just be disgusting. Um, and she has a secret that she seems to know throughout the movie. And you just keep asking yourself, what do you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she has these grins through blood and mm-hmm. bruises uh, that come through. And uh, so just has a psychosis inside of her that is spilling out throughout this movie. And you just keep asking yourself, what is it that this woman knows that I don't mm-hmm. know? What is it that is making this woman so confident in such a uh, fragile, and uh, delicate situation and she just seems to mm-hmm. have that secret that she's carrying with her and she does a good job portraying that on the screen that is my best who's yours uh, completely completely agree 
um, all the way across the board. So rather than just repeating everything that you said, I would say the absolutely best actress or actor, depending on whether or not we want to specify gender in the title. Sure. Um, absolutely Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, far and above everybody else. Honorable Great. mentions, obviously, Samuel L. Jackson. And I want to point out Walton Goggins. That Walton dude, Goggins he brought great. it. He brought it. He was oh, great. Man. He was, like, you hate him some scenes. You love him others. He's both, like, one of the best comic reliefs and one of the most tense characters. He kind of has the most change of character throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. He's, he did a really solid job, and I think that he deserves an honorable mention since uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was a unanimous decision. Oh, she's great. Both. Um, worst actor, do you want to go first or should I? You go ahead. Okay, this is the first flick I've seen you in. Demian Bashir, he is a Hispanic actor who plays Bob the Mexican in this mm -hmm. movie. And his performance, I don't know if it was you, Demian, or, I'd, or if it was Quentin directing you like an oddball, because mm -hmm. he he's an oddball. Definitely. But he, me and Zach both said to each other, is this guy even Mexican? Yeah. Like, did they make a white person play this role? And it wasn't really even your appearance. It was the, he has this grizzled voice throughout. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, man. Like, he talks like Very that. Very stereotypical. Like, like, I, just, I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, is this guy Mexican? And you, I, I don't think it's really all your fault. You're not given a whole lot to do throughout this movie. But at the very least, you're in this new Alien Covenant movie. I will watch any Alien movie any day of the week, even <laughs> if it's that one that uh, Joss Whedon wrote for and is not good. Um, <laughs> look, I will watch any of those. So I will go see Alien Covenant, which you are in, and uh, I will see if it is great or not. Uh, I hope that you're great in it. Um, this movie, you weren't given a whole lot to do. And honestly, as far as bad actors go for like films, this was not the worst. This was mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. 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 There, there isn't really a bad performance in this film. Right. But I would say that, that the worst actor for me was definitely just, it was Michael Masden. I'm sorry, man. Like, especially in a room full of, like, such high performances, he was like the Eeyore of the movie. <laughs> and he was just moping around the whole time. And I was like, I really want to see something out of you. And it's not it's not him as an actor. I've seen him in movies, and he's great. Mm -hmm. But I think that either he, he, he could have, it could have just been a case of him being outperformed by everybody else around him. Sure. I will say for me, Michael... If you're listening, and I know that you are because Dictator Trump has forced you to sit <laughs> yes. and re-listen to all five uh, $5 Film Club episodes, Yep, I didn't hate you. I thought you were all right. So uh, me and Zach disagree on that, but that's okay. Um, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. All right, great. See, that's how we're going to keep this podcast rolling because yep. we're going to disagree on some things. Okay, I want to give uh, just real quick, uh, mm -hmm. I'll give a 10-second review of this movie. Okay. Um, my 10-second review is this. Technically great, a lot of fantastic performances, cinematography, sound is amazing, and uh, the ending left a little bit to be desired, but overall, good. Great, great. Any thoughts from you? Any, you want to give a 10-second review? Yeah, and I won't, I won't go into the plot or anything like that, but honestly, movie score and cinematography, forgotten arts that are on their way back, and mm -hmm. I'm so glad that this movie... Uh, excelled in both of those. Oh, yes, definitely. All right, uh, so those are our five-second or ten-second reviews. L let's end. Let's close. Mm -hmm. There's a little website I like called Metacritic. I know yep. a lot of people don't like it. They say it's ruining the industry. It's a good tool to be used. I like it as a tool. Uh, there's a website called Metacritic, mm -hmm. um, and what we want to do is, much like Metacritic, we want to score this movie on a scale of zero. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to give a zero if you want yep. to 100. Uh, Zach, would you like to go first with your score of this film? I would give this film an 82. An 82? Mm -hmm. 
All right, all right. Uh, I also like this movie quite a bit, uh, a little bit less than you. I'd say I said 78, mm. 78, a four point difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're gonna have some bigger differences uh, later on. I'm sure. Uh, this is a stretch goal. Stretch goal. Just send me and Zach money, and eventually we'll release it. We did a test episode where the point difference was fifty points <laughs> yes. on the very first one, and we said <laughs> this this podcast may not make it. <laughs> um, fifty point difference. Maybe we'll release that one day. Uh, We'll see. Um, Anything else you want to say about this movie before we head out? Before we say goodbye to these beautiful people? Uh, Bravo, Quentin. You you did another great movie. I usually don't like you. Django is great. And this movie was also great. Quentin, we love you. Even if Zach is, he's still learning to love you, I'm much like in a marriage. To love all of you, much like in a marriage, an arranged marriage, he's learning to love you. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I, I want to see this movie was great. I enjoyed it. Seventy-eight is not a bad review. Um, go back to. I want to see more of you in the kind of present i want to see in the 80s 70s i want to see more of that modern quentin Mm. i've I've been liking these westerns show us something else as well baby yeah all right thank you so much for joining us for five dollar film club this has been alex george and zach right and we want to say to you cinema should be cheap I don't know what's a good send off. How should we end our show? In Donald Trump's world, it will be. It'll be mandatory. (laughs) Uh, Cinema is not only cheap, but mandatory. See you next episode. Next week on $5 Film Club, Zach and I review Ben Stiller's hog slop masterpiece, Zoolander 2. Thank you for listening to $5 Film Club. This is Alex George. Uh, $5 Film Club is a part of the Stained Glass Collective, which Zach and I run. Yeah. And if you are interested in finding out more about what Zach and I do, well, you can follow us on our personal Twitter handles, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. You can find me at Georgie Porgy, which is G-E-O-R-G-E-Y, P-O-O-R-G-E-Y. And you can find me at Zach Wright Music, Z-A-C-H. W-R-I-G-H-T Music spelled just the same Music spelled like music Yeah Hearing your Twitter handle Is music to my ears Oh beautiful Uh, (laughs) If you are just interested In altogether What Stained Glass Collective Is up to You can find us on Twitter At Stained Glass Web And then our Instagram account Zach At Stained Glass Collective Fantastic And hopefully We'll see you Everywhere We're taking over the world. (laughs) Trump, 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 Trump. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.